Benjamin Franklin once said, In this world, nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes. While this group of genius thinkers may not be able to stop the inevitability of taxes, they're working together to eliminate that relentless foe who comes for us all, death. Will technology enable us to outrun our impending demise? And will it happen sooner rather than later? This week's episode is The Transhumanism Movement. Fills with dread, probably a murderer who wants you dead. It could be a ghost, a demon, or worse. Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse. It's hopeless, you're doomed. You'd call a priest if you could. You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood. I'm gonna kill you. If you could pick one, would you rather never have to pay taxes or live for eternity? Never have to pay taxes. <laughs> <laughs> but then that's that's finite. Living high on the hog while it lasts and then bounce. <laughs> Peace out. Or you pay taxes forever. <laughs> I guess yeah. is the other the yeah. flip side of that. For real. So then it, it's like Although what? eventually like robots are our overlords and probably taxes are eliminated and we have to pay like in, I don't know, like nuts and bolts or something become our currency. <laughs> That's what the robots eat. They eat the, the nuts and bolts. <laughs> I love the idea that everything will be solar powered. I feel like it's just a waste. The sun is such a waste right now. Just sitting up there when we could be sucking off the sun. Yeah. It's and up I don't there know why doing what it should be doing. We're down here just with our thumbs up our asses. It's just eating our, it burns up my skin when, in, in fact, it could be powering my car. So I don't yeah. know what's happening with all that. But. Well. It's the hubris of of man to think, oh, we don't, we got it all figured out. We don't need all this shit that's been around for a gazillion years before we showed up. That just burns constantly like an, uh, <laughs> a never-ending lamp for us. We should be drawn to it like moths to a flame. But instead, mm-hmm. we're like, let's suck up this dinosaur goo and burn it up. Foolishness. Yeah. Foolishness. Well, but- you know, you could get solar panels on your house. Uh, that's a whole separate deal. When I had to deal with some of those uh, companies that were scamming the older clients yeah, that I had to find aid. a legit one. But you there are some legit one. ones. There are definitely some legit ones. So I was always told that we would eventually have solar panels on our car. By I was told, I mean, I watched a children's special about the environment in 1998. But I was under the impression that cars. That's would be how solar our cars panels. would be powered. Yeah, interesting. That they would be solar panel. So what do what, what happens that if now? it's a rainy day? You just stay home, store it up. <laughs> so you you call in. I, I, you know what? I appreciate that. I think if we have a blanket global rule mm-hmm. that if it's rainy or it's cloudy, you just have to stay home because you can't go anywhere. Couple cuddle up, with toast mm-hmm. and jam, a book, mm-hmm. a nice cup of tea. Done That's and what done. What you do? Yep. What we can you do? To. How? What are you going to walk to work? Not here. <laughs> Not where we live. Public well, transportation sucks ass where we live. <laughs> yeah, there's no getting anywhere. Are you choosing taxes then? If you, if you're choosing immortality. I'm in choosing taxes? immortality. Yeah, I'm choosing immortality. immortality. I want to see what happens. You know, <laughs> I, I, I feel like um, it, I have FOMO about the future. <laughs> I love that. I feel future like FOMO about the future. I'm like, there's nothing for me out there. <laughs> I'm good now. Because <laughs> I feel like what. We, I was just talking about this with Donald, our Manny, and Tommy, um, as we enjoyed some birthday cake. Happy birthday! <laughs> Thank it's Christy's you very birthday. Much. You know what better way to celebrate your birthday than talk about 
your mortality, which is what I was doing. And I was talking about this episode and Donald was like, oh, yeah, I want to I want to be frozen. It just seems easier. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you know, if you just shove yourself in a tube. But we were I was saying how science fiction isn't really fiction anymore. I mean, mm-hmm. so like, you know, in the 80s, things that were like far off in in the 2000s that seemed forever and mm-hmm. that it was not anywhere near possible we are living in a full out black mirror episode <laughs> like oh yeah i mean science fiction now like there's of course advanced stuff but nothing that you are like nah there's no way that could happen you're like no we're almost there because we have this what they're calling the compounding interest of technology where it's Mm -hmm. just with each year it gets faster to make stuff that it took so much longer to make before and i was thinking about this today because 2045 is like a bogey year for some of these uh transhumanists these futurists of like that's the year when we're really going to hit like escape velocity of death and i thought that's not very far away but i did think okay 25 years before this so let's say 1996 if you told you in 1996 hey junior in high school Okay, junior in high school, Christy. Great hey, year for me. Someday, you know how they say you're not going to have a calculator with you all the time? Well, let me just tell you the size of your right. hand. Yeah. You can push a button on the side of it, ask it any question. It's going to answer mm-hmm. you. It's going to tell you math questions, what the weather's like, what you have to do for the day. Uh, you can push a button and you can see and real time chat with your friends on the other side of the country. Yeah. Uh, you can watch any episode of Seinfeld you want to watch. At all, no commercials. You just have to pay a little bit of money for it. You can, you can wear a watch and make phone calls off you can, of it. Like, and it'll tell you when you need to breathe and how much water you need to drink. I mean, this all sounds like watch. <laughs> yeah, first of all, lay off. Rude. I'll you stand can up when I want to stand any up. Any song that you've ever thought of in the in the mm-hmm. history of music, and just push a button and it turns on, and you would just be like, "All right, man, you're high." Yeah, you're. This is the future. You're. This is what people do on other planets. You know, this is how they mm-hmm. live on Mars. You're like, no, in fact, that's how. We all live now. So then imagine 25 years from now, how, yes. because we're even more advanced technologically mm-hmm. now than we were then. So like, like you said, like it compounds and now we can produce things exponentially faster. So 25 years from now, like oh, what yeah. Ella is going to be and Simon are going to have in their normal lives. We're going to be like, yo, Crazy. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be wild because that's what they call it, the law of accelerating returns. Of For every one year it takes to make something now, you can make a hundred of them in another year. You know what I mean? It just uh-huh. goes, don't at me, all right? I'm not a scientist. But there are scientists out there that get all of this. Yeah. Uh, way more than I will. But yeah, like the calculations that a computer can do increase like exponentially every year. And so it's not it's not out of the realm of possibility for any of this stuff to No. Happen. In fact, I think it's very in the realm of possibility that this will happen. Perhaps, I, I mean, I don't want to say not in our lifetime because I feel like it's quite plausible. But if it's not, I mean, but also, what is my lifetime? It could end tomorrow. Who knows? Or I could live until I'm 150. Doubtful, but perhaps. But in the next 100 years, mm-hmm. I think that w- what they are doing with cryogenics 
advancements will be made where somebody gets unthawed and we and we see the first person get unthawed and what that looks like. Because it sounds like this nanotechnology, the nanorobots, which Jim Halpert warned us about on the office, <laughs> government created killer nanorobot infection. But you will see that they can regenerate and repair tissue. And so, yeah, if you were properly cryogenically frozen yeah. or cryonically frozen, then you would be able to be mm-hmm. redone. Uh, thought out just throw me in the sink and let me thaw out for dinner like you do a frozen chicken <laughs> delicious delicious well we are talking about the transhumanism movement and transhumanist cryogenics mortality immortality it all um, comes together all of all of that stuff yeah it's this has been fascinating for me one of the more fascinating things we've researched i just love reading or seeing you know interviews from 2015 2018 saying you know this is coming in a few years and the people interviewing Mm -hmm. them going like oh really you think it's coming in a few years and now it's 2021 and reading an article that exactly what was predicted to happen has already it it exists (laughs) it's wild and then to that point i also think of the things people are predicting now and I don't poo-poo any of it because I'm like, yeah, this is going to happen. Like, we will be able, we will have microchips implanted in our hand. And that's like how you activate doors at hospitals to unlock, like badges and things like that you are going to be a, baby a thing that in the doesn't past. Match yeah. up. What? A baby? Like, if your oh, baby like it, gets a chip, then they match to you. Oh, you got to chip your baby. Or like at Chuck E. Cheese babies. when they stamp you and then they stamp your kid. And you got to match stamps before you go off the, the turnstile. That's true. That's what they do. They just got to stamp you when you pop your baby out. You each yeah. get matching stamps. You make a mark on the baby that only you know and that no baby snatcher can replicate. <laughs> done and exactly. done. But I think you're right not to want to poo-poo that because there have just been, there's been so much growth and then the growth gets faster every year. Mm-hmm. And they say... The basically the computing power, it's on an exponential upward trajectory and that even like wars don't slow it down. A pandemic's not going to slow it down. And eventually we all reach the singularity. That's right. We all get uploaded. We all need to take 200 pills a day like our good old pal Ray Kurzweil. And (laughs) how do you swallow that much? Dude, I remember probably 10 years ago, like Tommy and I, and I just had this memory when we started researching this had me watch some youtube video when we had like first started dating and i was like what is this and he's like this is ray kurzweil he's believes in the singularity blah 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 blah. he take and it was a video of him taking all the pills he takes just sitting at this table and i was like this has got to take you at least an hour to get all those down i mean he probably has it down to a science literally because but i mean like it's hard for me to swallow that many pills. How many you think he takes in one swallow? He could probably get five in a swallow if you got yeah. a good, uh, you know, if you got a loose gag reflex. But they're big. They're, they're horse like pills. big old horse pills. And he does that every day to the point where he has a pill wrangler. Somebody yeah. that just comes and organizes all his pills because that's the job in and of itself. You're opening yourself up to be poisoned, though. You had to be really nice to that pill wrangler because <laughs> that person true. could slip something in there and you'd never know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, you, yeah. you got 200 pills. Who knows what... What are you going to... You don't... If one... If a little extra one's in there, you're not going to notice. He seems to think that's like his three... Mm-hmm. What to do now to slow it and then wait till the biotech catches up and then 
nano robots, baby, and then we're getting <laughs> uploaded. So nano robots. I want to just be uh, jump ahead to just nano robots. <laughs> just freeze me now. Wake me up when it's nano robot time, and we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Get it fixed. Yeah. Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather, and let's get into it. Since humankind began recording stories, the search for immortality has been one of the most sought-after goals. The ancient Epic of Gilgamesh starts as an arrogant king's quest for eternal life and ends with his realization that by preserving his story, the king truly will live forever, even if his body dies. Still, humankind has always sought ways to beat death. Today, a growing number of inventors and technology experts have brushed off this lesson from the classics and are actively pursuing ways to cheat death and live forever. They are united in their cause and generally subscribe to a set of beliefs under the umbrella of transhumanism. Or H+, plus for the H- n- human yeah. plus. Yeah. I need to do more research. But I'm going to say I'm dipping my toe into the transhumanist pool. You're in it. You're I, in it to I win it. I think I got more than a toe in. I'm in <laughs> I'm in up to my my chest at least. Uh you just said on our conversation with Tyvee Diskin from Chasing Immortality that you would like to be frozen. Okay, I'm fully in. <laughs> I'm in the deep end. You asked and, for a family plan. Or have you know since I we recorded that an hour ago, I have since looked into what it cost at the Alcor facility in Arizona, and I'll have you know that you get a family discount. They do have so a family. They plan. have a family discount after that. after you. Um, after that, it's fifty percent off for everyone else. Okay, you can't you can't afford not to do it at fifty percent off. I mean, you have to. Also, That's you can do your pets. So, Petal <gasps> is getting frozen. <laughs> You didn't tell me that. I'd freeze the goose in a second. You, well, you have to do goose. it with them. They'll only freeze your animal if you if their owner is also getting frozen because they don't want to reanimate, or I don't know if that's what they call it, the yeah. animal and their owner not be there because oh, yeah. then it would be confusing by itself. So you got to do it if you want the goose to be with you. I might just clone the goose. That might be. Might <laughs> You're going to clone? clone Honestly, most people think cloning is going to happen before someone gets unthawed. There you go. Then I have hope. I mean, cloning already has happened, but like more, uh, I guess, common cloning. We'll do it. In his book, To Be a Machine, Mark O'Connell summarizes the general tenets of this loosely held belief systems. It is their belief that we can and should eradicate aging as a cause of death, that we can and should use technology to augment our bodies and our minds, that we can and should merge with machines, remaking ourselves, finally, in the image of our own higher ideals. The concept of transhumanism got its start in the 1960s and 70s. Belgian-born Ferry Dunes Fenderi, better known as FM2030, made some stunning predictions beginning in the 70s. According to NPR, in 1977, he predicted that scientists would be able to alter genes to avoid genetic flaws. He changed his name to FM2030 because he said, Conventional names define a person's past. Ancestry, ethnicity, nationality, religion. I am not who I was 10 years ago, and certainly not who I will be in 20 years. The name 2030 reflects my conviction that the years around 2030 will be a magical time. In 2030, we will be ageless, and everyone will have an excellent chance to live forever. 2030 is a dream and a goal. This is fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. I I can see what he means about names, 
Mm-hmm. And we talked about this on our uh, with talking with Tybee, who is the host of Chasing Immortality, and she covered uh, FM twenty thirty recently, and so we kind of did a deep dive into him and just transhumanism in general, and that um, will come out this week as well. But we were saying how we don't choose our names, you know. I mean, unless what was the the uh, skier Peekaboo Street? Her parents let her name herself, and that's why there she's named Peekaboo. That's how that ended up. Yeah, and so there are people that you know do that, but for the most part, you're named by your parents, and it is usually indicative of culture, race, ethnicity, religion, and perhaps that's not like what you would have chosen for yourself. But does that name? kind of influence who you are and who you become throughout your life because there are certain implications with it. Well, and it probably, I mean, for sure, influences how people treat you. There's a uh-huh. freakonomic study on how quickly someone gets called back based on their name as it's printed on a resume with two identical resumes. Uh, no, I think that's a good point. And his, I'm not who I was 10 years ago. You know, we kind of talked about your cells regenerate every seven to 10 years. And at what point are you, your consciousness is the same, but the cells supporting that consciousness have been fully replaced. So really, who who are you truly? I probably, mm-hmm. I mean, 2030 had a meaning for him. If I'm going to pick a name, you know, I think it's going to be uh, maybe less sounding like, uh, I think, Tybee said it sounded like a radio station <laughs> that only played yeah. Muzak and Jimmy Buffett songs. So I probably would choose something that's a little bit more, um, I don't know, uh, maybe a noun. I like a good improv name where it's like a normal first name and a noun last name, like Martha Couch or something. Like oh, sofa okay. Something. Yeah. I like, uh, I like Martha Sofa. That sounds good. That sounds like true. someone that'll live forever. That's right. Yeah. And FM, he said, well, he never really said what it stood for. Yes, it's his initials, but many also speculate that it stood for future man or future modular but he by the time he was 11 had lived in like 17 countries and spoke Mm -hmm. four languages because his father they traveled for work so he never really identified as a specific ethnicity and kind of you know was like borders aren't a thing blah 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 which is all good in theory but we all know that you know, a lot of things that look good on paper when we try to practice them, not so much. But I, it is interesting, and I can understand this belief that, like, we shouldn't be tied to things like that. Like, he never wanted to get married because he didn't think one human should belong to another human. So he was very progressive for his time. It's true. And which is what we also talked about earlier, that he was too early like, yeah. he, 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 back then, people would be like, this is, like, hippy-dippy, hate Ashbury bullshit. And mm-hmm. now you're like, oh, no, all this stuff that he said was going to happen, happened. Like, sorry, when you wake up, because he's been frozen, we'll all apologize, because <laughs> you did know what you were talking about. He's you like, were I told just, you, bitches. Yeah, we just, uh, no one else. It's, I am not a forward enough thinker like that mm-hmm. to be able to predict things like that. So I'm very impressed when people, other people can see like what's going to happen. Like we chess. Extrapolate it forward. Mm-hmm. I will say on the flip side, the conventional names define ancestry, ethnicity, nationality, and religion. That's true. And isn't that a good thing if we embrace it in the way we should? I think like you said, in in theory, isn't it nice for us all to have a unique backstory and things that unite us 
But I think in practice is what we just said of, you know, people may make snap judgments based on the name mm-hmm. or based on what they, uh, you know, affix it to. So that's a, I think you're right, though. He was ahead of his time. Ray Kurzweil, who we'll get to here in a little bit, said, you know, a lot of this predictive stuff you see with, well, as far as predicting the movement of technology, there's always these early adopters that get pshawed, poo-pooed, and everyone mm-hmm. says, oh, what a loser. He said, look at people who invested in the internet in 1998, 1999, and you're like, no, you don't understand. In soon, the world's going to be totally connected. I'm going to put all my money in the dot-com bubble, in the dot-com basket, then it becomes a bubble, then it bursts, you lose all your money, your wife's pissed at you, your husband's pissed at you, your spouse is like, really, you just blew our savings on a stupid dot-com stock, when in fact... It was just about 15 years early or 10 mm-hmm. years early, whereas in you know five or 10 more years, you go, I'm going to invest in this company called Amazon. They sell mm-hmm. books on the internet. And if you were at the right time with Amazon, that's you, then you're probably a gajillionaire right now. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Or Google yeah. or Facebook or Microsoft or whatever. But it's just all those. So I think FM 2030 in, was like the internet bubble investor of mm-hmm. transhumanism that he was like, no, I'm going to put all my money on this. And then people, I think not enough people adopted and they... Isolated. It was too. It was too out there for for the time. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think there's a lot of power in names, and you know, them coming from ethnicity or religion and everything. That's like part of who you are. What I think is interesting about his point is that what if that's not who we really wanted to be? Oh, you yeah. know, and that like. Yeah, it's decisions that get made for us before we can make them for ourselves. That's a good point. And, I mean, that can be said for, like, you know, um, things having to do with with gender. And, you know, if a parent has to make a call early on about how their child is raised and then that comes back and they're like, no, that's not what we would have chosen. So if if we aren't the people that we were, like, when we were born and then we're not the same people we are going to be, like, 30 years from now – it's just really interesting how progressive that that thought was because I never really I don't think about things sometimes until someone else points them out and then I'm like fuck that does make sense. <laughs> you're like FM, you're ahead of your time, buddy. <laughs> FM twenty thirty wrote books on the transhumanism and futurist movements and was generally considered a thought leader in the field. Sadly, he died in two thousand at age sixty nine of pancreatic cancer. The accuracy of his prediction as to the development of human immortality by 2030 remains to be seen. However, in case his predictions come true, his body remains frozen in a facility in Scottsdale, Arizona, according to NPR. His lifelong friend, Flora Schnall, told NPR that after FM 2030 died, His body was cooled, it was shipped out by plane, and they were able to, they said, hopefully successfully freeze it. And we're looking forward to the time when science and technology will enable him to be resuscitated. And uh, the writer of To Be a Machine, Mark O'Connell, which I can't recommend this book enough because he is not a transhumanist, he's a journalist, and he takes this kind of outsider trying to learn. He's very open-minded and travels around and travels to Alcor and talks about, they point out the canister it's a tube it's a big metal tube that fm 2030 is in and uh it sounds like i mean they've drained all the fluids out of your body they replace it with this kind of antifreeze connected liquid nitrogen liquid nitrogen yeah and the idea is that it's supposed to keep you in a suspended state so that they can flip the switch back on so godspeed fm 
Yeah, I think you're the thing that we don't know yet is like how much was things damaged or, mm-hmm. you know, like what what all will that do? So but yeah, I mean and that's why it's like when you sign up for one of these facilities, they when you die, like they are on a plane out there to get your body unless they like know it's coming and they're they've already been at your house or something. To get you on ice within like hours, mm-hmm. so they can go ahead and and start the process. I wonder if he's awake in there. No, you don't know that. <laughs> They're dead. But are they all the way dead? Um, I mean, he had his blood drained and is injected. I think he's in a like um, uh, unconscious state. Although they refer to them as patients. They don't refer to them Correct. as, because they don't think of them as dead. Worm farms, they call them I patients. Don't, I don't think of this as, um, I think you think of this, and correct me if I'm wrong, as like a gimmicky hoax. I don't think but it's I a gimmicky hoax. I think this hoax. is really important to these people. And like, I don't think that they um, like are just like throwing away their money. No, I think it's horrifying because what if you're stuck in a tube and you can't get out? I'd be worried that you're conscious, that there's some sort of consciousness going on. I think they're con- they're declared legally dead before they are, before all of this has happened. I okay. mean, that's according to all the stuff that, what do you, do you think that they are just alive and stuck in there? Well, I don't know. You're in kind of this Awake, asleep state, they get you right when you die. They really, they say it's really important to get it within like certain moments. If your brain goes out, I don't know, maybe the nanorobots can switch it back on. But then what happened in between? What if it was horrible nightmares? I don't know. I mean, when you, you've been around people when they've died. Oh, yeah. You're, it just flatlines. So the doctors know you're dead. Yeah. They catch you. If your soul's gone. I got a lot of questions. <laughs> I don't, I don't think it's know. fake. I don't. I, I just worry that if it doesn't work, I guess there's really no What's harm, no the foul. Harm? They'll just throw them out. Yeah. If they try I to mean, turn them back on, they don't. Dead, so them. if it didn't work, the worst thing that happened is you're frozen in a tube. Yeah, that's true. I think um, it would be horribly unethical if they were just taking bodies, but I don't think that's what. No, I think they happening. really are doing the the stuff they're doing to them. Uh, I'm just saying at the, at the, you know, in 20, 30 years, they go, okay, well, shit, we really shouldn't have used that goo. We should have used a different goo. That didn't Well, then work. they're, I mean, they're. Like you said, the no, no harm, no foul. Dead, just throw so. them out. Yeah. And he, the CEO, Max Moore, is very open that, like, I think this is going to work, but I don't 100% guarantee this. And people yeah. know that going in. So if they want to pony up a couple hundred grand. It's like insurance. With, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's all this stuff that we do. Like, nothing is guaranteed. We're all just like hoping that it that it works. So, but if it doesn't, you're not around to be pissed about it. That's true. You, you went you cares. went out with the hope that like one day I might see this world again. And to me, that's comforting to go out it's with that type go. of thought. Just before the loss of FM twenty thirty, a new leader of the movement emerged: Max Moore, born Max T. O'Connor has been called the self-proclaimed leader of the transhumanist movement. He wrote an essay in 1990 called Transhumanism, Toward a Futurist Philosophy, which introduced the term to the world. In 1999, he wrote and delivered a piece called A Letter to Mother Nature, Amendments to the Human Constitution, to a biotech futurist conference in Berkeley, California. 
The letter thanks Mother Nature and Father, presumably God, for creating humans, but takes shots at her failed design. You've made us vulnerable to disease and damage. You compel us to age and die, just as we're beginning to attain wisdom. You gave us limited memory, poor impulse control, and tribalistic xenophobic urges. And you forgot to give us the operating manual for ourselves. His letter proposes seven amendments to the human constitution, listing off ways we will change ourselves for the better. They include Amendment number one. We will no longer tolerate the tyranny of aging and death. Amendment two. We will expand our perceptual range through biotechnological and computational means. And amendment number five. We will no longer be slaves to our genes. We'll take charge over our genetic programming and achieve mastery over our biological and neurological processes. Moore wrote that the amendments will move us from a human to a transhuman condition as individuals. Yeah, there's a a whole chunk of uh, amendments. That's only a few of them. And it's he re-updated it again in 2019, I believe, just, just like re- double down and say this is still what we're moving towards. And I think that's a good point when you say what's the point, you know, right when we get to the point where we feel wise and it's over with. Yeah. And he describes it really succinctly and kind of poetically that like this doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be the end of your life. It can just be a pause until technology catches up, you know, like, I mean, why just because science wasn't advanced enough yet while it was your turn on the planet, should you have to, to kick it and not get to enjoy things? It's true. It's what he told Mark O'Connell when, he was interviewed for the book and he, Mark O'Connell went and toured everything. And, uh, he told him, I don't want to be frozen. I just want to get to the point where nobody needs to be frozen, where this Mm -hmm. technology will already be able to do these things. We're just born in the wrong time to Mm -hmm. where we need to figure out a way to bridge that gap between now and when we can actually achieve escape velocity from death. I think it makes sense that a, a large chunk of humanity wants to go this route because, I mean, people don't want to die. A lot of people don't want to die, you know? I mean, they don't want their their loved ones to die. But also, once you have science and technology and more advancements like that, you start to think, like, well, we our species doesn't have to just continue to die, you know? I mean, uh, uh, life expectancies have grown over you know, centuries. So like eventually, will they just cease to exist and we're part robot and we can just continue on? Well, especially if you say we've destroyed the planet such that it's not going to sustain human life. So we need this as a, some sort of a life raft. We don't have any food anymore. So we all got to eat our nuts and bolts. So we all got to (laughs) be robots and we're all probably also living on uh, Venus or something. Tommy was saying there was some sci-fi story he read that talked about this, like cryogenics and everything. But when the guy was unthawed, it was on another planet. Ooh. I was like, that could be. Because that's what Tybee was saying when we talked to her. Like, that she thinks before we can really do this... We got to start colonizing other planets because of overpopulation, which is a concern for people that reject this movement is if no one dies, uh, how can everyone live on on this on this planet? 
where are we going to go? Which Kurzweil has a solution for that is you don't need to live in a city. We live on top of each other right now. All the land right now that's currently being used for nothingness or for farming, we don't really need to farm because we have these alternative. You could do vertical gardening and it would mm-hmm. be more space efficient. And also with right now remote everything, you know, yeah. you can do conferences remote. We can talk remotely, your family, friends, whatever. Uh, with remote connectivity, you don't need to live where you work at. So yeah. Uh, that that could be the solution for that. But also, I think th- with the human uh, advancements where you're able to be cryonically frozen or put out or be able to regenerate yourself and live for a longer time, that will enable further space travel where right now you mm-hmm. can't get far because you die before you get where you're trying to go. That's a good point. An AI could go much further than uh, an actual human. It's true. That's a good point. Some famous thinkers and inventors in the technology space have taken this movement to new heights. PayPal co-founder and billionaire Peter Thiel is a known investor in anti-aging technology. He has donated millions of dollars to anti-aging efforts and has announced his intention to be cryonically preserved after death. He announced to a panel that his biggest unaccomplished goal was to fight aging, saying, I think aging is a strangely underexplored area. There are 100,000 people who die every day on this planet, Mostly from things related to aging. I'd like to see fighting about it a little more. See, again, this is stuff that, like, now that someone is saying it, I'm like, yeah, why don't we think? I mean, I guess people, there's a lot of scientists that their whole job is to study, like, (laughs) aging and why it happens. But it is such a strange thing. I think, for me, like, I always just, I'm like, well, that's just the way things are. We were born, then every year we get old, and then eventually we die. But it's like... Some people are like, it doesn't have to be like that. And that's when I come in and I go, you just tell me what to do. Because I'm not <laughs> smart enough to, like, figure out what I need to do, but I'll I'll jump on board. Yeah, I mean, you spaceship. notice. It's exactly. It's the type of people who are like, you know what? I could get a rocket ship and I could go to the moon. I mean, Elon Musk, Peter Thiel. Because you know Peter what Thiel. they have? Yeah. A gazillion dollars. A gazillion dollars. And if you think, I have everything I could ever want. No, any, I could think a thought and get what I want. What is the one thing that you can't buy, and that is immortality, or Mm -hmm. can you? Or can you? Yep, exactly. Billionaire Microsoft founder Bill Gates has expressed interest in using artificial intelligence to edit human genes to beat disease and death. He told a crowd at the American Association for the Advancement of Science in February of 2020, We have an opportunity with the advancement of tools like artificial intelligence and gene-based editing technology to build this new generation of health solutions so that they're available to everyone on the planet. And I'm very excited about this. Well, this is exactly what FM2030 said would happen in 1977. And now, blammo, it's happening. Look at what's happening now. But for real, I mean, you can now use, it's not really artificial intelligence, but they're using biotechnology to alter your immune system to respond to cancer and fight its own cancer. And that's essentially what FM 2030 was arguing would happen. And it is now here. And if you told somebody 20 years ago that that could happen, nah, that's not how you can't be cancer. If you have cancer, it's a death sentence. And now these therapies are extremely effective. It's, um, I, I think the fact that like all of these genius billionaires all think it can happen makes me be like, oh, okay, well, they're geniuses, so they must yeah. know something I don't know. <laughs> They've got the inside scoop. They're like the Illuminati. They know stuff that's going on <laughs> that I don't know. So I'm like, oh, if Bill Gates thinks it can happen, then it can happen. 
and with him, with him saying, we want to build a generation of solutions so they are available to everyone on the planet. I'm on board with that. Yeah, Is, I'm on board with that. If it's just this elite group of people that can afford it, all can do these things only to themselves, and then they live forever and there are forever overlords, don't love that. But if you have folks that are dying from a largely preventable disease that either can't get access to medical care or can't afford medical care and you are willing to disperse it out to the masses, then I'm fully, I'm fully on board with that. How do we ensure that? We don't know yet. Uh, one, I'll tell you, it's not as expensive as you might think it is because there's insurance now and you can, <laughs> as Max Moore says, if you can afford Starbucks every day, you can afford to put money away for cryonics. But, um, we have been doing for decades already like moving towards this. I mean, artificial limbs, LASIK eye surgery, mm-hmm. um, Simon wears a hearing aid. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, like a hundred years ago, if you were born deaf, you were just deaf. You're fucked. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No. yeah. Like that's, you know, and you also were like ostracized and people didn't know or even bother to try and communicate with you. So, but now like, we have a, a little robot thing that can, you know, help help him here. So why wouldn't we use something like that to enhance his quality of life? And I think it's going to be, you know, we've always said, like, we want the cure for cancer. And maybe we can't cure cancer, but what we can do is equip ourselves to fight it mm-hmm. efficiently. Or and live so, with it. It's or, not a yeah, death live with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, it's the same with, like, uh, HIV, like mm-hmm. back in the 80s, that was a destinance. And now people live long, healthy, fulfilling lives, you know, up until like they would even if they didn't have the disease. Mm-hmm. And so seeing those advancements, I think I'm more on board with that advancement versus uploading my brain somewhere. Yeah, I don't want to upload my brain only because that's not the part of life that I want to continue to be a part of not I don't want just the thinking aspects and like to relive my memories I want to like have the tactile part of it where I can like feel and go places and feel the air on my skin and touch people and hug people so I'm going full body I'm well, going what, full my tube. question is if you upload your consciousness and it is then able to live in a virtual metaverse, a virtual reality world where mm-hmm. you think your face is being touched. Yeah. They can they can pluck a little cord in the old cranium to make you feel like your face is being touched in the sunshine and running with your kids. Is that something you sign up for? Uh, I'm interested. Yeah. I'm interested. Only because I guess... And maybe I'm naive and I need to do more research, but, and I can, I have answered some of my own questions of like, why wouldn't I want to do this? But that's my biggest question is like, why not? Mm-hmm. If, I mean, money aside and, you know, every, like if it's a gajillion dollars, like, or whatever, but if I had the opportunity to do this and so did my family, mm-hmm. so then like, we're all still living together happily even after like our bodies we know now have died like mm-hmm. that that's appealing to me yeah to keep keep the party going keep the fun i that's you know i i think um a lot of the people that subscribe to this movement are very science minded atheists like yes. myself yeah. So 
to and like I was telling you earlier, like this to me is comforting, much mm-hmm. like I think heaven would be to a Christian, like mm-hmm. to know that like there's possibly hope afterwards and this and we're gonna see our loved ones again. Like that's it gives it's exciting to me and gives me like comfort, even though, you know, the chances of me like actually doing this are probably very low. <laughs> you can but, buy that insurance uh, policy. Uh, yeah, I mean, so even if it didn't come to fruition, um, thought. it's it's comforting to think that it could. Oh, so I think I'm I'm horrified by it because I'm of the mind, a, a more Zen mind that there's no such thing as self. Birth and death are the same thing. When you burn a piece of wood, it's never going to be a piece of wood again, but it can continue on and be ashes and the smoke that people inhale. And, you know, the energy doesn't get created or destroyed. It just changes form. And so I'm like, don't stop me from going on to the next. I need to become the ashes and the smoke so I can go on to my next thing. But wouldn't your your energy would still, if it can, energy can't be destroyed, it would still be there. That's you why would I just think have I'm, your consciousness along with it. I'm freaking out about uh, getting your brain stuck in the tube and you're aware of where you're at and you can't get out. Google's Calico program was created in 2013 and pitched as a venture meant to understand and combat aging. Though the funding is over a billion dollars, with contributions from Google's parent company, Alphabet, and its co-founder, Larry Page, no one knows exactly what it does. Its goal is to have something profound to offer 10 years after its creation, meaning 2023. So in the meantime... We all have to wait as Calico refuses to share its research or findings with other scientific institutions. Which I guess I didn't realize this. Again, it's like you said, you don't realize until somebody says it, that the scientific research community is pretty open as far as, hey, this is what we're doing at MIT. Hey, this is what we're doing at Stanford. This is what we're doing at Oxford. So that people can build off of that and you almost, you know, you help each other skip steps. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, we already did that part. This company right here. They do not talk. They will not release their findings from what I've seen. It that makes they, you wonder what they know. Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. <laughs> Nobody ever goes in. Maybe they don't have anything and they're just hoping something <laughs> happens so they don't scheme. look like idiots. Other notable transhumanists include inventor Raymond Kurzweil and Tesla co-founder Elon Musk. Kurzweil is an adherent to the principle of singularity, which he describes as a point in which humans and technology converge in an irreversible manner. He told the Observer, By the 2040s and the 2030s, we'll begin to augment our neocortex directly. And the line between mortal human and artificial intelligence will disappear completely. Once man and machine combine and become a new enhanced species transcending humanity, then the singularity will be complete. Though his belief in singularity sounds both scary and outlandish, Kurzweil is famous for some of his other predictions which have come true. In a 2018 speech, He predicted that bioterrorists could use existing biotechnology to make a brand new deadly and highly infectious virus. He also predicted that the rise of technology could make it possible for people to work remotely, alleviating the need for people to flock to crowded cities. While some of his predictions, like the ability to 3D print clothing by the early 2020s, are already happening, we'll have to wait to see whether other predictions, like the ability to use nanorobots to eradicate disease by 2030, will come to fruition. That speech at the Supernova conference was eerie because he said the really great thing about this cancer treatment is that you reprogram these cells and then they fight the cancer on the body's behalf. Really, the flip side of that, though, is bioterrorists, you know, they could just take a take 
components of an existing virus and just flip a switch to make it way deadlier. And I was like, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. And then he also said, you know, I don't, my whole team at Google, we all work in different places. So I really don't think there's a need for people to live together and go to the same office with each other. Blamo, another one. And then 3D printed clothing. I thought, that's crazy. Surely not. Googled it. Just started happening in April of 2021. Like fashion houses are printing clothing. And then also, I guess you can now download and print bricks, like a Lego brick, but brick size. And Mm -hmm. you could build houses, buildings, whatever, all out of 3D printing. Yeah. I mean, they can 3D print organs, Mm -hmm. uh, guns. Oh, yeah. I didn't remember Uh, that. I have a 3D printed little thing but not a it's not clothes uh no it's like a little spinny like just little gadget thingy it's amazing uh, a place where tommy and i used to work when 3d printers like first came on the scene got a 3d printer and printed one and i think to make that thing it took um a couple days maybe 11 hours or something but i mean i think the goal is they get faster and faster, and then you, if you need a heart transplant, you can print yourself a heart. And I don't understand it. I don't. I don't understand three D printers, because uh, to me, a printer is the thing that's sitting next to me at my computer. So I can't wrap my head around like how a heart would come out of that. But I know that like cells go into it, and it's like I think printer is a um, a loose word for what yeah. it really is. But yeah, it's um. It's pretty amazing. And if that's the case, then, like, we wouldn't need um, livestock. We wouldn't have to kill animals to to eat. I mean, people still would. But, you know, Uh you could print yourself food and print yourself clothes. And because we're using up all of the Earth's resources, like, we could continue to survive by our giant printers that everyone would have. And that's what he was saying, that the solar energy would help energize some of these things and that vertical agriculture with hydroponic plants and vegetables would eradicate hunger. And then also like either with the 3d printing or he was saying, I guess you created in a lab, maybe like how you create diamonds in a lab, you can create a steak in a lab. And so mm-hmm. other ways that you could be uh, more planet friendly without, but still providing nutrients to people that need him. Mm-hmm. But it is, um, He's got a lot of, I mean, he's been making predictions for a long time. And it's kind of like what we said with FM 2030. As soon as he would make a prediction and it was wrong or late or whatever, uh, people are like, he's a he's a kook. He doesn't know. But I think he did a study where he, he like went through his old predictions. And then, I mean, it was an overwhelming majority were correct or essentially or partially correct. And so I'm my money's probably on him. Like you said, when there's a genius out there that's making predictions he's uh unless he chokes to death on some of these pills that'd be my concern i'd be oh, like no that's I'm, so I need sad put them all in a shot form that's true how have you not if you're such a genius how is this not liquid form that you can <laughs> I, just drink it dude i'm not taking yeah i can't 20 take. pills is too many he takes 200 that's too 20 that's, pills is too many yeah, 200 is definitely too many. That's too, but that's what his three bridges to longevity, man. He's he's walking on this one cuz he's not he's getting up there. Mm-hmm. And yes, uh Yeah, he's 60 I think or I, in his 60s. Yeah, he's just trying I think he's hanging on till the end of 2030 is when he he thinks by the end of the 2020s is when we hit 
longevity escape velocity. So Which is we just, interesting since that's not that far away. Nine more years. We just got to hold on. Eight now. Yeah, that's true. Oh, Good yeah. Lord. The time it flies. Whether we like it or not, the world is trending towards some of the aims of transhumanism. Our phones already prompt us with Google searches and stand in for our memories, populating on-this-day memories for us, so we no longer have to store as much between our ears. There's a clothing company called Seismic that describes their clothing as a fusion of apparel and robotics that promises intelligent wearable strength. Worn discreetly under street clothes, these smart garments provide power to the user that mimics muscle movement, meaning older wearers or those living with disabilities may be empowered to regain some mobility through the clothes' function. There's a lot of stuff you could attach on you that, like you were saying, that, and even inside of you that mm-hmm. we're already doing a lot of this. Yeah. Aside from the seemingly harmless ways smartphones and enhanced clothing can help us, Medical enhancements have emerged that threaten the nature of sport and competition. Enhancements through drugs has emerged as one way to beat aging and deterioration. The drug erythropoietin, or EPO, was developed to treat anemia. Some athletes who aren't suffering from the condition have used EPO to increase red blood cells and improve aerobic capacity. Provigil, also known by its generic name Modafinil, has been the drug of choice for Silicon Valley tech startup CEOs who want to work 20 hours a day with prolonged focus. According to TechCrunch, the drug was developed to treat narcolepsy and other sleep disorders. It is supposedly a non-habit-forming stimulant that enhances mood, staves off sleep, and has been tested by the government on pilots, too. See if they remain effective for up to 88 hours without sleep. Cephalon, Provigil's manufacturer, warns, however, that the drug... Is not a replacement for sleep. I stayed up for 48 hours to do sleep-deprived improv. And, you should have uh, had some Provigil to get you through it. Whew, yeah, I can't imagine wanting to work 20 hours a day with prolonged focus. That's a lot. Um, Too much. But you start to, I think, regardless of what you're taking, it's like a Freddy Krueger. It's a Nightmare on Elm Street kind of situation where you're, you start, I think, micro-falling asleep. And at mm. some point, you do have to sleep. But... Yeah, 88 hours with no sleep is uh, a long time, especially if you're flying a plane. (laughs) Well, and the interesting, you know, that the government's testing it, that's what um, O'Connell brings up into Be a Machine, that a lot of times we think positively of this, of, oh, maybe it will help people focus or it will help an airline pilot on a long flight. But there's always the flip side of how can we use this to do more war? And, mm-hmm. the you know, with robotics, artificial intelligence, these type of physical enhancements, it's turning into a Captain America super soldier kind of thing where we think oh, this is great for humanity. But in fact, it could be inappropriately used for just trying to figure out how to kill more. And drugs are like that, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, a drug that is intended to treat a condition then gets used recreationally because somebody figures out like, oh, if you combine this with this and that makes you feel amazing. Mm-hmm. And so it's no surprise that something that uh, was developed to treat anemia, like starts getting used in, in more of a steroid fashion. Getting juiced. Though these stimulants will keep entrepreneurs awake and focused and keep athletes moving, they do not necessarily enhance the brain or replace the body's function. However, artificial intelligence expert Blay Whitby warned The Guardian that 
We're now approaching the time when, for some kind of track sport such as the 100-meter sprint, athletes who run on carbon fiber blades will be able to outperform those who run on natural legs. And he predicts some athletes may opt to have surgeries to replace their legs with blades, though the ethics of this remain in question. The cybernetics expert Kevin Warwick told The Guardian there is no problem with those surgeries, saying, What's wrong with emplacing imperfect bits of your body with artificial parts that will allow you to perform better or which might allow you to live longer? But that's, I mean, that brings up a point, though. Like, if people are electively getting a surgery like that, would they be able to perform in or compete in the traditional Olympics, you know, I mean, cause you would have an advantage and then it is like man versus robot type situation. Yeah. And at what point do you have to say, okay, well it just is what it is and I can afford the surgery and you can't. Therefore I get to run faster because I can just afford it. Yep. I mean, that's, that's, uh, America right there. <laughs> it's a problem with all of this, I think, is saying, why couldn't we just get this better, these enhanced brains? Anybody can do it. Well, they ain't free. I think they're handing them out. No, but I mean, death in itself is expensive. It's true. A funeral, I mean, being kept in a hospital or hospice, open heart surgery, like all of the things we do to keep ourselves alive is very expensive. Some guy, Somebody on Reddit said that they had a medical emergency and that they had to get airlifted from one hospital to the other. I think it was for a heart transplant. And his insurance would cover the heart transplant. It was $1.6 million. Of course, he didn't have to pay Ooh. for it because insurance covered it. But that the airlift flight, no insurance covers any airlift flights. He would have died without it. And it was like $64,000. And they said, well, it's okay. Don't worry. We'll only charge you thirty-five. <laughs> He's and, like, uh, yeah. but and what? And you're like, why wouldn't that, if that's, if he would have died without it, why wouldn't it have covered it? You know? They're just like, we just don't cover it. To me. That's yeah. a scam. The interest in transhumanism goes beyond enhancing life and extends into prolonging death. Scottsdale, Arizona's Alcor Life Extension Foundation, run by Max Moore, author of The Letter to Mother Nature, is the temporary resting place for many transhumanist optimists. The location stores over 100 bodies in various degrees of completeness. According to reports, $230,000 will keep your body suspended indefinitely until it can be used by you again. A cool $120,000 will keep your head only. Detached, petrified, and chambered in steel. According to O'Connell, preserved until your head's contents can be uploaded into a computer. Moore told O'Connell that the more predictable the death, the better. When members of the Foundation die of terminal cancer, their deaths can be predicted, and the Foundation's processes can be carried out in a timely fashion. Accidents or disasters like the terrorist attack on 9-11 or a plane crash in Alaska, make it impossible for Alcor members to be preserved in accordance with the Foundation's procedures. Cryonics are so popular among these transhumanists that insurance companies have begun selling cryonic life insurance policies to fund the venture. Futurist Eliza Yudkowsky has stated, If you don't sign up your kids for cryonics, then you are a lousy parent. Well, there well, you go. I, I, I don't agree with that, but... <laughs> um, yeah, and some there's also um I think there's like five of these types of um institutions like like Alcor and one is not for profit. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like science based, but um there's also different uh price points I I think for these. These were on 
uh, I he quoted like also like eighty thousand for your head. Again, I don't want just my head, but <laughs> he that's what he's going. Max Moore's doing doing head only. So, head only. Yeah. Um, head stuff. But you know, I mean, two hundred thirty thousand dollars is a lot of money for sure. Mm-hmm. One point six million dollars for open heart surgery is is way more. True. You know, so if you're gonna spend that and it didn't work. I want the most bang for my buck. There you go. So if I'm in for a penny, I'm in for a pound at that point. If I'm going to drop $1.6 million, I'm going to spend a little bit more to be like, uh, this is going to pay off in in the end somehow. At some point, it will pay off. Uh, I like that uh, they have a caveat that you have to die in a peaceful and predictable manner or we cannot help you. Well, I think if you uh, are exploded in an yeah. explosion, then there's nothing to yes, preserve. So they have to, and that's those are two examples that they did have members that one suffered a plane crash and one was in nine eleven, and they said, you know, sorry, there's nothing we can do. If there's nothing to, I mean, that's just like there's nothing to even bury in a traditional funeral. It's true. It's uh, that's kind of how the chips fall. So. Mm-hmm. I guess for if you're looking to do this, you would want something that is more predictable. And I hate to say you pray for a, a more terminal, long-lasting disease so you could at least, you know. Well, I know pray that, uh, that I'm just going to go in my sleep. I don't want to. I don't want cancer and I don't want to die in a plane crash. <laughs> I just want to uh, Betty White myself out of here. Peace out. Mm-hmm. Some transhumanists believe that the future will eventually involve part human, part machines that will launch themselves into other galaxies, being able to last far longer in space than mere mortals. Eventually, human consciousness may be converted into software, creating a pure intelligence that could self-replicate and live forever. Man and machine will merge, making for an all-powerful being that transcends mere mortality. And Elon Musk said we gotta prepare because you never know it could turn evil. I mean... Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, prepare for every outcome. I think all of the things that I'm concerned about with this are already things that go on: elitism, classism, racism, um, things turning evil. uh, You know, people um, thinking they're better than others and more intelligent than others. Mm So, I think. We will never get away from that. It's just going to morph into something that looks different. In a different way. Well, Mm -hmm. and if we're all robots, then we're all better prepared to fight each other. (laughs) That's true. I mean, we can, you know, just replace our arms and legs when uh, we get into fights. They said you can upload your consciousness to anything like a gazelle or one of those Boston Dynamic dog robots. I was like, a jack-in-the-box? Oh, the whole building or the... The, whole the toy jack in the box with the, the do- toy with the or the fast food place. The fast oh, the food fast food place. No, you're going Jack in the Box. No, I'm thinking. Uh, it's got to be something that can move. But also the great, the other thing. Someone's like, it could be a drone, so you could fly around. Mm. But I would want arms for punching. I don't know. There's a lot to consider. But would Sex you stuff? want something that is mortal? No, because if you're uploading your conscience into it, then yeah, I mean, it's it got to be, be something that's gonna. A monkey. That apparently that's. Could a, you do the ocean? Just the whole ocean? 
Ray a Kurtzwell's, part of the ocean. He's very into the ocean, and he talks about how the ocean is technology. I'm telling you, if you were into this shit, read To Be a Machine, because it is beautifully written prose, and also had me think about a lot of stuff. And so, yeah, he was like, let's look at the ocean. It's all... The it's ocean's all... wild. There's so much about the ocean we don't octopus. know. Octopus. Nope, there it is. Put me in an octopus. Your mortal enemy. That's right, a robot. You're gonna become one. To, a robot octopus. If you can't beat one, <laughs> a robot octopus. And that's a robotic octopus with my brain in it. Oh, Robo-octopus. okay. So it can't, it can't die. Yep. I want yeah, like a I Boston was... Dynamics. How they have those dogs, the creepy dog robots, or that one yeah. robot that hugs people, which is like so scary. But I want one that is a robot octopus. Okay. I'm in. I um, I want something that can do both water and land. So a platypus? I, I think a roboctopus can go on land. It's robot. Oh, okay. It doesn't need to. It's just going to scurry around on land too. I guess if it's a robot, it just needs. Yeah, we'll have to it waterproof it. It just eats nuts it. and bolts. Yeah, or a <laughs> robotic plankton. I don't know. Or a little f- robotic fish. Do you know you can also, when you die, um, be made into um, coral to be... Attached to the Great Barrier Reef, That's it's beautiful. very expensive. Well, it should yeah. be cheaper because you're doing a favor for them. Yeah, you'd think, but I guess to get all your ashes all hardened into something like mm. that. The more um, fancy you get with your death. death wishes, the more expensive it becomes. Chuck them in the ocean, the fish will eat them. Well, I think that um, the person that's dying didn't want that. Well, I mean, if they wanted it, they if they had signed <laughs> off on it. I think they wanted to be part of a beautiful thing that will live far for far longer than than they would, and but also help the ocean and planet. Well, there like you go. when you're buried in one of those trees and stuff, or a body farm. But with this one, you get a lot, a lot of pretty fish and get to just kind of it's a lot better live your, than body farm. your days. I think body farms are fascinating. Well, though. you're doing a you're doing a thing for science, like. Yeah, for you, you know, it's helping. Otherwise, you stick them in the ground, nothing happens. You know, they're just sitting there. I guess ashes, you know, you burn them up and you can throw them somewhere. But like off well, the back I mean, of the sea dog, like that lady did that one time. By your beliefs, your energy isn't destroyed, so it doesn't matter where you go. Yeah, that's true. And if you're on a body farm, all of that's going to be like, uh, well, there's different places you can be in a body farm. Some people choose a trunk. Some people choose a tree by, by a little pond because oh they study how they decom- bodies decompose in different uh, places. And I'm one of those is that. the trunk of a car. If it helps. There's a very good, I can't remember the episode number, but um, Criminalist, which is a great podcast, has a very fascinating episode on body farms. That's I where I first that. heard about it. It's very, it's very interesting. There's one in College Station, I believe. Gig'em. There <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what it says when you when you sign up. There's through, a joke in there life. about an Aggie working on a body farm, but I don't <laughs> for I sure can't figure yeah. it out yet. But I'll think yeah. about it. <laughs> it's there. It's there. One thought experiment on this subject morphed into a frightening urban legend proposed on the forum Less Wrong in 2010. The legend of Rocco's Basilisk postulates that if an all-knowing, powerful AI eventually runs the world then it would have an incentive to punish and torture any humans who refuse to contribute to its creation. The theory is that the basilisk is so powerful that it would transcend time. It could punish you today for trying to stop it from coming into power in the future. That torture could come in the form of blackmail as the AI would have full access to your complete digital presence. 
Founder of the Less Wrong Forum, Eliza Yudkowsky, deleted the post, warning in all caps that You do not think in sufficient detail about superintelligences considering whether or not to blackmail you. That is the only possible thing which gives them a motive to follow through on the blackmail. This is some minority report shit right here. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what my problem with uploading your this whole neocortex alteration and Ray Kurzweil saying a chip in your head. If you think, what was the guy in that movie, The Minority Report, and it being like, Tom Cruise, you know, where you don't even have to pick up your phone and ask a question of what about the nasty things that we think? You're you don't want other people to see those. Well, I don't want the robots to know. I don't want Google to know. Google knows everything. Oh, Google knows. Google's just a robot too. It's Google too knows everything. Your search yeah. history. Google knows a lot about you. Too much. They said that <laughs> you could predict in that. Listen to that book. That based on someone's search history of I want to say six weeks or eight weeks, they could present predict with ninety nine point nine 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 percent accuracy when someone's pregnant. Based only on their search history, oh, not even like how do how do I know if I'm pregnant? But like ailments that they Google and things yeah. like that, they know. Or if you're googling like baby names or miss mm-hmm. um, period days, what is this? Yeah, what is this weird stuff coming out of me? Yeah, that God's makes sense. In me, what to do now? <laughs> Some users had nightmares. Others had breakdowns. Was this all caused by the basilisk torturing them from the future? or merely by their own minds, being tormented by a cleverly crafted urban legend and a devoted adherence to a way of thinking that has them terrified of death. I'm terrified of blackmail. I'm trying to get blackmailed by no basilisk. Yeah, blackmail is uh, something that I never want to have happened to me. That sounds like somebody's just got you over a barrel. You know? You just got to come clean. That's my theory with blackmail. Oh, you just exactly put it all out there. The same with nudes when, you know, you see people being, well, I have this nude photo. I'm going to show to people. I told you the only nude photos of me are from like 2008. And like, like, please show I'm telling you, I'll I'll run a billboard. Send me the (laughs) high res files. I'll run a billboard on 75 (laughs) so that people in traffic can enjoy the show because the mind boobs will never be that high again. Yeah. 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 I think uh, that's one of those things where you just got to you got to get out ahead of it. Mm hmm. So if somebody's like, I got all this information on you, you're like, guess what? I'm about to tweet about it. So you got nothing on me. <laughs> I'm going to lie. What are you going to do? Just secrets. pay pay millions of dollars till you die or mm-hmm. they die? Nah. They're just, always going to ask for more. Mm-hmm. Always. If any show ever has taught us anything, that is <laughs> going to happen. Proponents of transhumanism believe that science has been trending this way for a while. LASIK eye surgery, hearing aids. And artificial limbs are just a few of the commonly accepted ways humans use robotics to enhance their quality of life. For those suffering from afflictions that science has not yet cured, cryogenics possibly offers them a way for their death to be merely a pause in their life rather than the end. The hope being that once science and technology catches up, the preserved body can be unthawed and whatever was ailing them cured. Those who reject the idea of transhumanism Fear a future in which overpopulation of the planet would be an issue, seeing as how no one would die. Others believe that due to the cost of cryogenics, only the elite would be able to afford it, leading to problems of classism and inequality. Others fear an outcome similar to a Black Mirror episode, where one's consciousness is trapped in a machine, unable to escape. Transhumanist critic Francis Fukuyama described the movement as The world's most dangerous idea. Countering this belief, proponent Ronald Bailey said that 
The movement epitomizes the most daring, courageous, imaginative, and idealistic aspirations of humanity. According to Global Risk Specialist MI2G, As for the enhancements to humanity and attempts to beat death and disease, transhumanists argue that what they propose is no different than taking medications each day to treat a chronic illness. The goal of medication is to treat a disease. The goal of transhumanism is to treat the ultimate disease, death. Still, whether the would-be conqueror is a king in ancient Sumeria or a technology-obsessed transhumanist in the modern day, death, so far, remains undefeated. Grim Reaper... A gazillion, everybody else, zero. (laughs) I forgot as we were driving to Christmas Eve with my family, we turned on the Mr. Hankey's Christmas Classics record, and I forgot on there that there's a song called Dead, and it goes, dead, 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 someday you'll be dead. (laughs) Just listen to the whole thing, and it talks about look long at that Christmas tree. It may be the last one that you see. (laughs) Someday you'll be dead. That's, it's all true. Yeah. You know? But it's interesting that, like, it's something that happens to everyone, Mm -hmm. but so many fear it and are scared to discuss it to the point where I remember seeing a couple years ago this thing about how there are, um, I think it was in New York, but I'm sure they're everywhere, like, book clubs, essentially, but they're not book clubs, and they meet up and they talk about death to try and, like, normalize it because... Some people find a lot of comfort in talking to others about it because it is such like a taboo subject. Mm -hmm. But I think that's one reason we are pretty like open about it. We don't like shy away from questions when when Ella has questions and stuff because just as much it's just as much a part of life as anything. Yeah. Without life, you don't have death and, and vice versa. That's true. It's all part of kind of a big, you know, the circle of life as they sing in the uh Lion King, talking about the groups of people in uh, New York, there was an interesting article in The Observer that talked about these. There's two kind of subsets. One is in San Francisco and one's in New York of these futurists that take, that follow the gentleman from Less Wrong, which the one that said, if you don't do cryonics with your kids, you're a lousy parent. Elizur Yudkowski. And really follow his teachings almost to the point of, you know, it's a kind of extremism. And that's when I think when we first started talking about this, we're like, oh, is this like a weird culty thing? And I think there's probably some people that do like a very tiny sliver that take it way too far. But I think for the most part, this is inevitable. Like you said, the way Mm -hmm. this is just the way we're going is... It may not be in 10 years we're going to upload our brains to the Matrix, but in 10 years it may be you have a disease and they're able to inject something in you that swims around and fixes that disease, attacks mm-hmm. that disease directly. Um, and so in that case, I don't think the predictions are too far off. I think when you tell people, oh, we're all going to merge with man and machine, it starts to sound kind of scary and you maybe mm-hmm. like you'd be out of control. But the, I think the... Short-term benefits, we will see those in the next few years Mm -hmm. um, with, you know, cancer therapies and things like that where you're not going to have to suffer with something because there will be a biotechnological way to, if not already, coming to to solve it. Yeah, I think um, when people hear like cryogenics and, and see how bodies are stored and stuff, it's unfamiliar so it's scary and bizarre and 
gives people like the heebie-jeebies, but uh, to me, like it's not much different than um, burying someone in the ground next to a bunch of other people that are buried in the mm-hmm. ground. I mean, that's also weird. It's mm-hmm. just been normalized because that's what we've done for so long. And I think that's a lot of things like like under this umbrella. They're very weird and bizarre at first, but then eventually it just becomes part of like society and that's how things go. And then, you know, a hundred years from now, it's not going to be weird at all for people to be like, oh yeah, we're going to get frozen. So then when this is figured out, we, we can come, we can come back. Cause again, I also don't really see a huge difference in if you have cancer and they can inject something in you that makes that go away and you live far longer than you would have without it. Is that much different than you, they didn't have that technology when you did die. And so then you just decide to wait around and see if maybe they do eventually. And if they don't, they don't. But if they do, then you get to enjoy what you would have had you just been born at a different time. Like, should we be penalized because we weren't born when science was as advanced as we would have liked it to have been? That's a good question. And I think, too, what seemed really, uh, I would, abhorrent earlier on, I think we're now accepting more as far as having foreign objects in your body where, Mm -hmm. you know, 150 years ago, if you broke your hip, you probably weren't going to make it, you know, broke your knee, you know, maybe, or you're going to be severely debilitated whereas now they just put a whole ass new hip in you and it's yeah plastic metal whatever the hell it's made out of and it's that's a foreign object in your body mm-hmm. that your of course your body eventually comes to know and love and like i said there's glucose monitors parkinson's tremor monitors migraine uh corrective machines yeah essentially we talked that, all about that and yeah that become a part of you Tybee. that may be like five, 10, 20 years ago, you think I'm not going to have something inside me all the time that tracks all my movements. Well, what about if I tell you that that's the way we're going to be able to combat your Parkinson's for, you Mm -hmm. know, a lot better or Alzheimer's or something, you know, if you can alter the brain's reaction to a migraine, can you alter the brain's reaction to if it, as it starts to deteriorate, you know, can you Mm -hmm. help light up other neurons by putting some type of electrode under the skin? I do. Maybe they're working on it. Who knows? I saw, um, an article that a gentleman was born with complete color blindness. And like 10 years ago, he had this antenna installed in his head and it's goes up and kind of curves over the top of his head. And it allows him to um, hear colors. It turns colors into an auditory experience, which I was like, that's baller. But I mean, he fully embraces it. And, you know, I mean, he made the choice, like, do I want to never be able to see the color of anything or am I going to have this antenna? And if you, that's what you, if you can do it and that's what you want to do, then I I say go for it. Or like synesthesia where you see colors when you hear things. That's fascinating too, as well. But the, I mean, if it's a way to, and you want to do it and enhance your brain, and I think that's the medical ethics question is, you know, is it doing harm or is it helping? And if it's helping, it's helping, then might as well be willing to do it. Yeah. I think it's a personal question for everyone. Like, what do you value most? What are you trying to get out of this life? 
And, you know, I mean, if it's success, happiness, whatever, like, and you feel like you can live this life and have accomplished those things, then that's great. But if you're like, I, I'm trying to think of it not so much as like people do this because they're scared of death, but more that they love life so much that they just want it to continue. Mm-hmm. And they want to see like what happens to this world. That's It's fascinating to me to think like, what if we had been alive a hundred years ago mm-hmm. when all of, I mean, it was a totally different world. And then like, what is it going to be like a hundred years from now? So I think it would be cool to be able to like, experience these huge vast changes in society and technology and everything and not just see it in the movies yeah that's a good and and to see what we said earlier star trek coming to life <laughs> so that means we can get beamed up soon it's gonna happen oh, that'd be super sweet if i i was somewhere the other day that i was like i wish i could just beam my ass home right now and not have to like get in the drive car. and do all that yeah i think it was like it was really cold or something i was like man That'd be awesome. Someday we're going to get our beam on. Yeah. Well, that was, I keep forgetting to say, so what do we think? And then we talk about what we think and then I have to go back and say, okay, well, that was what we thought. No, well, no, that's what we thought. Sorry. (laughs) I thought we said it because we were just diving in. (laughs) Maybe in 2022 it's now, so that's what we thought. So that is what we thought. Well, I have my mug right here. My, so what do we think mug? Yeah, it looks good. That mug turned out so good. That's one of my favorite merch pieces that we've Scout the robot, crushing it. Great, great, great. Speaking of crushing it, we got some live shows coming up where I hope that we crush it. We'll crush it on stage January 14th at 9 p.m. at Dallas Comedy Club. Both of us are going to be in Hot Dish, which is a mix em up of uh, some of our favorite performers, Emily Gee, Jade Smith, David Allison, and more. It's going to be a great cast. We're going to do that again in February, on February 25th at Dallas Comedy Club. Uh, again, it's a whole new cast each time. Christy and I will be in both of those. But then the cult is back, you guys. The cult is a troop that is Christy, myself, Tommy Lebrun. We have Jade Smith. We have Raymond Fisher. We have Nick Scott. It is an all-star lineup. And we are reunited January 28th, 8 p.m., Dallas Comedy Club. And again on the 25th. But wait, you think? I just said the 25th. Yeah, my dudes. <laughs> Jan- February 25th. <laughs> Is fixing to be a double header. We're going to do an 8 o'clock cult show. We're going to do a 9 o'clock hot dish show. We're just going to prov on prov on prov. If you want more mm-hmm. information, go to SinisterHead.com slash live shows. I put links. You can get your, Two provs, li- get your tickets. One stage. Two provs, one cup. <laughs> <laughs> Doing it. We love writing Sinister to you at no cost. So if you like what you hear, consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We're a small operation, creating the show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the cost of making and hosting the show. As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those enrolling the airwaves and getting into it tier, special shout-out on the show, a monthly bonus mini-sode, and patron-exclusive video and audio content including Am I the Asshole, relationship advice, we got... We're going to do a wedding one coming up because there's yeah, some wedding stuff. Yeah, that's our next one. Yeah. I've been seeing some wild wedding stuff uh, as well as Judge Christie. Mm-hmm. 
You also now have the fun perk of access to our Discord server, where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. We hop on occasionally, and we also host monthly Q&As with Crowdcast, where you can ask us all your burning questions, and they're always so much fun. If you want to know what we'd rather fuck, marry, or kill, just turn turn <laughs> tune into one, because there's always some good ones. Somebody's got an fmk or what was it about getting in a bird's nest or getting with yeah. a fish <laughs> i still think about yeah. that for our patrons not in the u.s you now have the option of paying pounds or euros saving you the cost of the conversion fee annual memberships for all tiers are also now available and if you select that option you will be rewarded with a free month of membership for more details on all of this and specific member tiers visit sinisterhood.com and click patreon on the top banner and make sure you stick around after our sign-offs to hear your shout out and our thank you corner so many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming. And if you want to get some cool swag like T-shirts, this mug that I'm drinking out of that says, so what do we think? Totes and even clothes for your kiddos, visit Sinisterhood.com and click on shop in the top banner. The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. It means so much to us and really helps podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod and like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. Christy, where are you at? I am on Twitter at Christy or GTFO and on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace. Heather? I'm on Twitter at MCK versus the world and on Instagram at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for supporting the show on Patreon. Here are your special Patreon shout outs. Alyssa Railing, Rebecca Carpentier, Julianne Courtney, Sarah Stamper, Nicholas Martin, Kate Auker, Ada Gonzalez, Taylor McEarkin, Desiree Hart, Emma Mruse, Kelsey Long, Jacqueline Cassidy, Paige Williams, Rita Davis, Mercury Sage, Creepy Little Dude, Crystal Davis, Claire Conway, Valerie Barber, Alyssa Winkler, Shelby Hawksby, Tamara, Cassandra Descula, Elizabeth Long, Cassie, Haley Brownow, Robin Jensen, Susanna Counts, Tiffany Muniz, Emily Doyle, Christy Bargo, Michelle G, Vicky, Thomas Dillon, Corvus Ravenwing, Stephanie Campos, Layla Walden, Amanda, Dana Scully, Shelby, Samantha Reniger, Jenny Porter, Jacqueline B, Addie Zuniga, Christina Burgess, Amy McDaniel, Gianna Jinx Classen, Nicole McLennan, Allie, Tabitha Lida, Sarah Malik, Julie Marling, Laura Whitney, Annabelle, Abby, Anna C. Brooks, Becky Stevens, Tara S., Ariel, Jackie Santillan, Tracy Foley, Karina Jalapa, Miranda Cardinal, Deborah, Paige Peterson, Alex Ambrose, Kayla, and Laura McWilliams. Thank you all so much for supporting the show. We so appreciate it. We couldn't do this without you. We hope we pronounced your names correctly. Stay safe, stay healthy, and keep it creepy. <laughs> and now, welcome to our thank you corner. I would love to thank LB. She sent you... Some cryptid tarot cards on your birthday. You got them in Houston. I raved about how much I liked them. 
She sent me some too, and it was so very sweet. Thank Your you. own set of crypto tarot cards. Also, we want to say thank you to everyone who sent lovely holiday cards to us. We got some Christmas cards, some holiday cards, and some New Year's cards. We got love to see your beautiful families. Some of you included photos of us together or a sweet note or just your Christmas card with your shining, beautiful faces on it. It was just so nice to receive those. So they did not go unnoticed. I have them with me here in the studio. They are beautiful. Thank you. Thank you all so much for everything that you do. And once again, stay safe, stay healthy, and keep it creepy. Bah, ah, ah.